6.50 here in the morning in California, and we are live from the ePortrait studio in Los Angeles. Welcome to Race Industry Week 2021, presented to you by ETS Racing Fuel, Penske Racing Shark, and sponsored by AEM, ARP, and Mature. I am Francisque Savignan, the founder and CEO of ePartrade, the global online platform for the performance and racing industry. We have people watching us this week from over 110 countries around the world. And this is just a really good indication on how big and how global our industry has become. And we are absolutely delighted by all the support we have received from the racing industry. And at the same time, we are humbled and we are thrilled by the participation and the endorsement we have received. With me this morning are Judy Kin, the co-founder of ePartrade, Paul Fanner, founder, president, and CEO of Racer Media and Marketing, and our special guest, Mr. Chris Midland. Judy? Thank you, Francis. Can we welcome everybody this morning? Thank you for joining us. And again, thank you to all our sponsors that are supporting this week. But I also want to support the entire industry that is actually using this live platform. From the suppliers that are on here showcasing all the elements, like if they were exhibiting at a trade show. From the buyers, I see some buyers on here every single day. Those are the ones that walk up and down the aisles of trade shows and they engage with the suppliers. All we do is make a connection between a buyer and supplier. So every single day we have new content on this platform. So I just wanna thank the industry for using this platform. Uh, that's what it was designed for. And uh, just thank the industry. So over to you, Paul. Well, thank you, Judy, and uh, what a fabulous day we had yesterday and today. It, it's uh, it's going to be absolutely amazing. We're going to go to the pinnacle of the sport, and Formula One uh, is one of my pure, deep passions, and we have with us today uh, uh, racers correspondent in Formula One, Mr. Chris Medland, uh, who I'd like to introduce now. Chris, uh, uh, welcome. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, everyone. Uh, good morning. I'm so impressed by how early you guys all have to get up and do this because I'm lucky I'm based in London. So it's 10 to 3 in the afternoon here and I've had a you know, nice calm day, nice and easy. So very impressed by how sprightly everyone's looking already and uh, really pleased to be here. We haven't been to bed since yesterday. so we, 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 we. <laughs> Is that the way it goes all week, is it? That's yeah. it. That's it. And also, we're uh, rather than a tea-powered economy, we're coffee-powered over here. So we, we uh, and uh, and in some cases, Monster uh, and Red Bull-powered. Uh, so, uh, but great to see you, Chris. And uh, you know, I think you've you've got a pretty uh, interesting lineup uh, this morning of uh, topics. I'm sure to talk to uh, Ross Baron about. Um, yeah, it's going to be done. Your homework going to be very exciting yeah it's um it's always nice ross has been very good actually in in recent years since he's joined formula one at being very uh proactive very engaging uh, and willing to sort of front up and talk to the media and to everyone really about what he wants to do with formula one and, and why certain things are happening so it's going to be great to to speak to him in a bit when he joins us um he's a very busy man obviously we're right at the end of the season as well so there's a lot going on in formula one world but uh, it's going to be awesome to have ross join us and and to discuss Basically, we're going to talk to him about all the challenges F1 has faced after the pandemic, but also there's a lot of change 
in 2022, which in fact should have happened this year, but got delayed by a year because of the pandemic. So it's kind of all of those hurdles he's had to overcome and the sports had to overcome and the way it's managed to do that, because as a global sport, it's been very, very challenging, I think, for Formula One to have to adapt to the situation around the world. Yeah, indeed, and, and adapt they have. Uh, you know, I, when I started my journey in the sport, uh, it was uh, literally sneaking into a Formula One uh, uh, exhibition race with a Formula 5000 cars competing against it uh, with, with uh, handmade credentials. So I think it's amazing we're sitting here in this moment now because as of today, uh, thanks to your good work, Chris, uh, uh, Racer.com has passed 10 million users uh, this year so far. And much of that growth has come from the explosion of interest in Formula One in this country. And as of this writing, Formula One uh, has generated more page views than every other category of motorsport other than IndyCar on our platform. And that was a day I didn't think I would see, honestly. Um, what do you put that down to? I think a lot of it, uh, admittedly, has got to be attributed to Netflix in the sense of, you know, as race fans everywhere will appreciate, you know, that they love Formula One, they have an interest in Formula One, but it's not always easy to explain to everyone why Formula One's so captivating or you know why they should be engaged in a race that looks like it's done and dusted if, if the racing's not all that close you know why is it still fascinating to watch these cars on track and I think the Netflix documentary and Drive to Survive kind of managed to talk to a lot of people and explain to them actually these are the human stories behind this sport and this is the the technology behind it and this is all of the different facets that just make it incredible, even if the race is actually a really boring race. So obviously we want to see exciting racing and, and we've got a lot of that this year too. I think that's built on it, uh, but it, it's kind of helps just set those foundations. And I think from those foundations, we already had uh, a lot of good outlets and ourselves at Racer to tell the stories then for people who want to know more. So um, yeah, I think it just really piqued a lot, a lot of interest in North America that maybe hadn't quite been there before, or at least was finding it hard to engage with the sport. It gave them a much easier way to engage with the Netflix documentary, and, and we've seen the, the growth off the back of that. Yes, this is, uh, I never would have thought I would have been a Gunter Steiner fan, but I am one now. <laughs> like, I literally can't wait for him to be on camera. But uh, I, I think that what's great about this, though, is there's so much more to our sport than what goes on uh, on the racetrack. And uh, that's what this week is about. You know, I, I, as I, we started uh, the program yesterday, I just, okay. we're all here. We fight for this industry. Uh, and okay. Francisque and Judy do this every day. And this industry's got a lot of stories that we're going to tell this week. Will you quote him when he's on? So, and that's yes, everyone getting uh, excited about Ross. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to, a lot to talk about, isn't there, in terms of um this industry and and the way it's maybe a bit more intertwined as well that might be something when you ask about why f1 has has grown so much um i think maybe the the similarities you know racing is racing you know at, at heart if you're watching cars go wheel to wheel on a track it's exciting you know whatever the category the amount of times now we talk about social media as well if we look at when we can see highlights from like the mx5 cup where you get an epic finish somewhere and people yeah. will share that a thousand times over because it's still brilliant racing it didn't need to be a formula one car to, for that to happen so uh yeah i think we're kind of just seeing those similarities as well which uh, have really helped to the growth indeed and, and what's interesting too is you look at the social media following uh, that romain grosjean has when he came to the united states he immediately took off here uh, in terms of his popularity uh, not to mention he, he is a brilliant racing driver that maybe wasn't as apparent in uh, uh, the Haas F1 car uh, as it is 
uh, in an Indy car where we're all they're driving very similar racing cars. So the talent maybe is more apparent. Uh, what do you think, uh, you know, before we get into this here, what do you think the big difference, the takeaway? You've been to some American racing here. Uh, we're about to introduce someone very prominent in that world to our audience here. What's the big difference here for context? I think in weird ways, like it's one of the things that speaking to drivers that have done both as well is there's a level of um, kind of technical, that excellence is probably the wrong word, but it's so overly technical in Formula One. And the flip side is then when you get to something like IndyCar and, and American racing, the core value seems to be the raw passion for racing. Yeah. And, and and it's not the stuff around it as much. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I spoke to Pato Ward, actually. I went uh, to the barber test that Nico Hulkenberg yeah, did yeah, a few weeks ago. And, and speaking of Pato, he was saying that having seen the US Grand Prix and everything that went around the race that just made it an amazing weekend, regardless of the racing, like that's something that he wanted IndyCar to do. But the flip side was, he said, but IndyCar has got this core passion that we should never lose. So I think that's where the two differences are. And if you could marry the two, I mean, you're yeah. going to be golden. So... That's um, that's probably the, the golden ticket that everyone's searching for at the moment. Absolutely, uh, that's that's well put. I agree with you. Agree with you. So I'm uh, getting a signal from our producer, and as soon as Russ is on, we're going to bring him on live, and then Chris will let you uh, uh, take over. So we're in correspondence right now with uh, Russ's office. And uh, sorry for the little interruption. <laughs> I thought I was on mute. <laughs> Jeez. Not at all. So we should we should be getting uh, uh, Russ on any any second, but uh, please keep going. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I was going to say with with Ross, I know he's uh, he's massively busy in the sense that as well we've got still two races to go. Double header coming up, brand new circuit uh, this weekend in Saudi Arabia. That's a, a new challenge for Formula One, uh, for the teams, for the sport itself. Um, so it's really great that he's actually managed to find time for us. I don't know actually where in the world he is. I don't know if he's here in London or if he's um, somewhere else around the world. So um, it's great that he's he's managed to find a window to come and join us today and, and talk about some of this stuff, because I imagine he's probably got some slightly different views to me in terms of um, what Formula One can learn from North American racing and, and maybe how it's going to crack North America, because that's definitely been a, a target of the sport. Since Liberty Media took over, that's been one of the, the key goals has been, can we grow Formula One? even more in North America because we can see the passion that's there. We can see kind of the racing footprint that already exists and, and Formula One should be a part of it and just helping the whole thing grow. I think it was Sean Bratches that always said about all boats rise on a high tide. And he's like, if we can help uh, increase the popularity of motorsport in general, then that's going to be uh, the best way that we can be part of that, that kind of scene in North America. So uh, that's definitely been one of uh, Formula One's key aims recently. Yeah, we see that, and and uh, from again from the evidence we see in the page views from the, being generated by your stories, the social media activity, um, Formula One is absolutely competitive now at the top level of American motorsport in terms of the audience interest. And you know we've grown uh, in twenty twenty we grew by two million uh, users annually. This year so far we've grown by over four million on top of that twenty twenty number. And a good chunk of that is 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 coming from Formula One, so something is happening and it's big. It, it certainly is. I was just looking at some of the comments actually that are coming in on the chat to us as well about how you know the way the Netflix show focuses on different things, and I think yeah, the, the main point there was for everyone who's already a, a big racing fan um, and certainly very uh, technically minded or engineering minded, you know, it, it doesn't really tell you anything. Uh, but then you didn't need it to. It's it's for the the people that maybe have that mindset but just hadn't found Formula One yet, 
um, that's where it's worked really well. Uh, and it's the drama it's created, and admittedly, you know, some of it is over-dramatized. Um, but I, I know IndyCar wants to do something similar, and I think it's it's a good idea because you need people to relate and connect uh, to the humans, even if you have to kind of uh, plump that up a little bit to, to get it to happen. But once you've got that and you get that that interest, then people learn more about the sport, about, about the cool stuff we want to tell them, about the technical side, about um, a lot more of the reality. And it's just opening that door is the main thing. It's once you get people through the door, then you work out where you want to send them next. And, and I think it was maybe proving harder to get people through the door for the first time without them having a real reason to find Formula One. And that, that's what's maybe changed in recent years. Yes, and the thing I noticed about true Formula One fans, they Formula One belongs to them. They 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 uh, they they take ownership of it, as, of it as something that it's part of their identity and their 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 passion. IndyCar fans are really many times rooted in Indy 500, which is where I began uh, as a child. But I I think that there's a sensibility about Formula One that really comes across in the Netflix show. And uh, it has been amplified uh, uh, in the ESPN broadcasts. And uh, uh, where, where we see the opportunity for all racing in America is once we bring these stars to the United States and they start racing in various categories of American motorsports, it elevates American motorsports on the global stage because people follow the athletes where they go and sometimes the teams. Uh, so I think we, you know, we're in this golden age here of cross-pollinization because we see we can look at our metrics and we can see where people go in the path and they're not just looking at one thing. They're, they're becoming broad race fans, which I think is something this industry really needs. We need to appreciate and respect all forms of racing. Yeah, I think one of the people that's speaking this week, I think Zach Brown, we can thank for a bit of that as well with the way he brought Fernando Alonso over to the Indy 500. Um, I did a recent podcast with him where he said that was probably one of his biggest moments at McLaren because the whole team kind of then bought into him, all the shareholders, um, the whole board bought into his ideas because they realized something that seems so crazy to take your Formula One driver out of the Monaco Grand Prix and get him to try and qualify for the Indy 500 for the first time as a rookie just seemed bonkers. But for them to pull it off and the success A, he had on track, but B, commercially and the interest it brought. Um, was huge and, and I mean I think it's no surprise we then see McLaren continue and get more and more invested in IndyCar but having that like you say cross-pollinization I think was something that worked really really well from that point you suddenly saw the example of how cool it could be how much it would really uh, interest fans on both sides because it, it didn't mean then that an IndyCar fan had to become a Formula One fan or vice versa but it did mean they'd show a bit more interest in the other or in that driver as you say and we see a lot of IndyCar fans now and US-based fans that are really interested in what Fernando does. Uh, even if they're not actually that overly interested or, or, or that desperate to know everything about Formula One, they do want to see how Fernando's doing because they feel that link to him now because they've yeah, seen him race over on these shows. So it's been very Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. And I think your guest has appeared. So Absolutely. Um, I, I so, think we, we should begin. Good morning, Rod. Thank you for joining us. So Chris, we'll let you take over. Okay. Thank you, Francisque. The concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. 
it's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At ePartrade there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your work day in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.